Good morning. Good to be here. So we're starting this series thinking about what is church and why do we come to church. Um, so there's a picture of us uh, from our weekend away back in 2018, was it? 19, whenever. And I saw that it's on our church website and the first thing I saw, I thought, I don't know you now, the first thing I thought I saw that was, where are their face masks? What are they doing all standing so close to each other? In a, was it 2017? Look at that, even older. But isn't it interesting, my first thought was, why aren't we wearing face masks? I've got so used to seeing people who face face masks that that was my first thought when I saw that. There we were, back at uh, Quinter, back in 2017. Hopefully one day we'll get to another weekend together. But a chance for us to think about what is church, why do we get together, why do we meet? Um, And it's a really good time to think about this over the last couple of years of all the change and difference that we've had. And you sometimes hear people say, well, why can't I? I can just be a Christian on my own. Why do I need to go to church? I'm a a Christian. I follow Jesus. I I don't need to get together with others. It's all okay. Um, And uh, so, so why on earth do we need to? And we adapted, didn't we, to meeting together on Zoom and, and having those meetings. And uh, I was talking to people over the last while, uh, I've talk, talked to various people about the way that faiths have met online. And I think we have a tremendous story about how it worked for us compared to a lot of people, but in terms of our church. Um, I, I still remember very clearly that first Sunday we met on Zoom. I don't know if you remember that. We'd had about a couple of weeks where it hadn't really we'd met and been sorted. And suddenly there was everybody popping up going, oh, it's you! In those days when we were not going out and seeing anybody. Um, we were staying at home. And, um, and suddenly there was everybody. And we carried on meeting. And I remember Sarah and I would sit on the settee almost every week and go, there's 50 people logged on again. And we got used to that, everyone was there, partly because we couldn't go anywhere. Um, but it actually worked, didn't it? We kept community. And when I talked to people in other churches or other faith groups, were staggered that 18 months in, we were still all meeting together uh, on Zoom. It kind of worked. And I don't know about you, but if I'm honest, kind of got to quite like it. Staying in bed a bit later, sitting on the settee with a cup of coffee, <laughs> nipping out to check the dinner was going on okay in the middle of a... Uh, Obviously in the middle of just a pause bit, obviously not missing anything. Um, and then we got to this complicated bit of coming back. And, and do we come back? Do we still do it online? Should we come back? Is it safe to come back? Should, should we try and do it both ways? It's actually been, in some senses, harder since we've started coming back to work out, well, how do we meet? What does it mean to meet? And, and how does that work? And I've talked to a number of... Uh, church leaders recently, well, and, okay, and people from different faiths, who are all struggling with this question and finding that numbers on the whole have gone down because people have got out the habit of coming, have just moved into different habits. It's been so long. I remember when the first lockdown started, there was loads of talk in those first few weeks about reimagining church and reimagining society and reimagining work. Because I think we all thought that six months later we'd be in a new world and we'd have the energy to do it. And I'm tending to find those people who two years ago were full of energy for let's reimagine church now going, yeah, whatever. <sighs> just ground down, worn out, just going, yeah, whatever. And new patterns of behaviour, we just got into the habit. And so it's a really good time to stop and think, so why do we 
get up a bit earlier and walk, drive, cycle, whatever you do to get here, um, rather than just sit on the settee with a cup of coffee. Because um, there are lots of churches still now putting their services on, online, on YouTube, on Facebook. You can watch all sorts of good stuff. Why, why bother getting together? And it's a brilliant question to ask every now and then, and a really good prompt at this moment as we're adjusting to the way the world now is, or will be, but it will change again, I'm sure, over the few coming weeks. But why bother getting together? Why together, not apart? So that's what we're going to think about. So let's just, uh, so I just want to say, by the way, this is not a beat up to say, oi, those of you who weren't coming quite so much, what on earth are we doing? Like, this isn't what that's about. I hope it's, uh, this inspires and encourages us to think, oh yeah, no, I'd forgotten that, or I'd not realised that, that this is kind of, this is exciting. This is what God wants for us. So uh, if it comes across as a bit of a beat up, I'm really sorry, that is definitely not what the intention is. So uh, forgive me in advance if that's what happens. But uh, let's just pray before we start. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your church. We thank you for our, our brothers and sisters, uh, friends here. And we just pray now that you would open up your word to us, inspire us afresh as we think together about what it means to be your people here. Amen. So let's, let's look at... Uh, this. So if we could uh, have the next picture. Um, and one of the things that, to start with is, in a sense, this is what Jesus left behind. You've probably heard this kind of little saying, it's often kind of talked about Jesus, that he, he wrote no books, he wasn't a politician, he wasn't a military leader, he didn't travel very much at all, he didn't do very much in earthly terms, and yet here we are 2,000 and a bit years later all around the world worshipping him. And what he left was a body of teaching that other people wrote down. He didn't write it down. He wrote down a whole load of, he left a whole load of people impacted by his miracles, but they wrote down what the impact was. He obviously left his legacy, the story of his death and resurrection, but others told the story, others wrote it down. But what he actually left was a community. His group of disciples he left as a community intentionally. He did discipleship. He did his teaching with groups. Very occasionally with individuals, but almost always with groups. He formed a community. And when he left, he left them in community and said, go together. Be together. Do stuff together. He sent them out in groups. He said, go together. Worship together. And so at one level, why should we get together? Because that's what Jesus left and instructed and inspired us to do and and so we we are obedient to him that's what jesus left he left a community not just a bunch of individuals he had impacted them individually but he left a community so the first thing is this is kind of what we've got this is what yeah, we've got the teachings and obviously got the scripture that is inspires us we've got the holy spirit but what jesus left was a community to carry the story forward so that's the first thing. We, it's what Jesus left for us. The second thing, we encounter God. I want to suggest we encounter God in a different way, perhaps in a deeper way, when we're together. And I've not thought about this very much until um, I've I been talking to, um, to a number of Sikhs over the last few years. I've, I've you know, been to a lot of Gurdwaras. I've got a lot of Sikh friends. I've done some study around Sikhism. I'm not a Sikh. Obviously, I'm a Christian. Um, but I like to learn from all sorts of different places. And there's a, a bit of teaching in, in the Sikh faith that um, 
I come across, which is the presence of God's Spirit is amongst his gathered people. So for Sikhs, it's really important to go to the Gurdwara because it's when they gather, they believe that God meets. And when I heard that and reflected on it, I thought, that's really powerful. That's something for me to reflect on from a Christian perspective. God obviously can meet us individually. He meets us at home and in other places. But I think there's something really special about the way God meets us when we're together. And that bit of teaching from the Sikh faith made me go back and rethink about my Christian faith and teaching in a new way. What does it mean to meet God together? That passage in Hebrews has, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. Let us draw together. Let us confess our sins together. Let us learn together. And of course, very famously, Jesus said, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I with them. Now, yes, God can meet us individually, but there's something very special about it, even if it's just two or three of us, when we meet together, when we worship together, when we sing together, when we pray together, when we learn together, there's something different. And I think we, are, we can lose out on that. And we were able to have that on Zoom. You can do that in other ways. But that sense of God meeting us in a fresh and new way when we meet together. And I think that's really important to hold on to. That doesn't deny the meeting God on our own. But I think there's something very special in the way that Jesus left community, in the way that he spoke about this. That says God meets us and grows us and draws us to him in a different way, in a special way when we are together. So we encounter God in a fresh and different way. And the next one. We teach and pass on the faiths of future generations. And we are so blessed that we have future generations to pass the faith on to. I work with so many churches where there is no next generation in the building. And we have... I mean, it's great fun. I, I, I love doing Jaffa. So Sarah and I have been doing Jaffa and we've had a great time. Doing, I would say doing Jaffa on Zoom was probably the funniest part of lockdown over the last two years. Every Sunday afternoon for half an hour, we had such a laugh. Um, but also some profound moments. And listening, honestly, when you hear some of the Jaffa children, when they pray, when they answer, when they talk, the deep faith in those children. And it's brilliant, isn't it, the Christianity explored that's happening. But I think it's really important for us to remember that Passing on the faith to the next generation, teaching, inspiring, is not just the task of the Jaffa leaders and the, uh, the Frog and Amazia leaders. It's all of our task. And you might think, well, I'm not a, a, a volunteer in the, in, in the Sunday school and things. No, you're not. But when the children are in with us, when the young people are in with us, what do they see in us about the way we worship? What do they see in us about the way we speak to one another at the end of church or the way that we talk to them and take an interest in them? Do they see us living the faith? Do they hear us in our conversation being Christians, being Jesus' disciples? Because, as you know, children watch, don't they, and learn, and ask questions, and inspire, and, that, and that's the task of all of us. We all pass on the faith, whether that's intentionally and knowingly, or whether that's just incidentally by being here and the way that we do things. But it's our task, and I would suggest it's the task of all of us to be praying for the children and young people. And it's really exciting knowing that we have a whole new set of children arriving in our church over the next few weeks and months, and uh, it's all rather wonderful, isn't it? It kind of keeps on going. Um, it's our task to be praying for them. 
passing on the faith to the next generation. And we do that together. There's that famous proverb, isn't there, about it takes a village to raise a child. And I suggest it takes a church to raise people in the faith, to lead them in their discipleship. We do that together. And I think it's really important that we are modelling that, that children see people of all ages. In 83 years, I can still be here at St Christopher's worshipping God as a faithful disciple and servant. Thank you, John. That was so inspirational this morning. So together, we teach and inspire and lead the future generations. And the next reason, we spur one another on. Let us spur, consider how we may spur one on other on towards love and good deeds and this is something else that I was drawn back to from my conversations with others I remember talking to a good friend of mine Sheikh Ibrahim Mogra a Muslim many years ago and he had this phrase about outdoing one another in acts of righteousness that I've actually heard lots of other Muslims say since then this idea of outdoing one another and I pondered that but I thought actually we have that as well don't we in the Christian faith that I perhaps not thought about quite in that same way how do we spur one another on as we meet together to encourage one another in love and in good deeds? How do we encourage, nurture? And when I listened to my Muslim friend, I thought, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, this went outdoing. It's not a kind of boastful, hey, I've done better than you, but kind of going, gosh, I've seen how much that person's caring. I wonder if I could be even more caring. I wonder if I could be inspired by them and be more caring. I've seen how patient they are. Perhaps I could be even more patient. I've seen how forgiving they are. Perhaps I could be even more forgiving. We spur one another on. We, we, we encourage one another. And Paul uses the image, doesn't he, of running the race in the, in the Christian faith, doesn't he, of running the race. And I, I'm, I have to confess, I haven't run a race since I was about seven, but I, I've got a kind of vague notion. I've seen it on the telly. Um, but I do know that if you're an athlete and you're running a race and you're a good athlete, if you're in second or third, you run faster to try and win, don't you? As far as I'm aware, let's assume that's this, okay? The person in front of you, if you're a good athlete, doesn't make you go, oh, forget it, I'm off, I'm out of here. You go, I'm going to run even faster because I want to get there. It spurs you on. And in a sense, that's kind of another part of that image of, of running the race. We see the example of others and think, I could still be worshipping God in 80 years' time and be that faithful disciple. I've seen how much people are giving in their time and care. Wow, that's inspiring me to think about how I'm doing it in my life. I'm seeing how much other people are praying and I want to go home and think about how I'm going to pray. We spur one another on. And as we get together, we can do that. It's much harder to do that if we're not meeting up, to really push one another on and to grow together. So we, let's consider, let's think about how we may spur one another, and not just to good deeds, but in our love. How do we spur one another on in love? So that's another thing. And there's still more that comes out of this passage. We encourage one another. And the last part of this the passage has got... Uh, and Paul does do a little bit of uh, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing clearly this is a bit of an issue even back then you know in the first church clearly people have gone do you know what it's a sunny day we're in Italy it's kind of sunny there's a beach um, there's olives I don't know maybe that's what I thought um, but he said don't, no, don't give up keep on meeting because yes God meets with you on your own but all these reasons are why we should keep on meeting so don't give up the habit he says 
but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So we encourage one another, like this spurring one another, spurring it to inspire us, but to encourage each other. To say, hey, isn't it brilliant? Thanks for doing that reading. Thanks for the prayers. Oh, it's brilliant to see you back again. Or whatever it is that we do to encourage one another, to be people of encouragement. So that hopefully when we come to church, it's that place of, in a sense, warmth where we know that people are going to build us up and encourage us. A good place to be. And we encourage, as you see, the day approaching. Now, it's a capital T and a capital D, so he probably meant the day as in at the end of time, the day coming, because we live in that, that hope and knowledge that it is going to happen, but not knowing when it's going to happen. Um, so I'm not a kind of, we know it's going to happen. It may be in a thousand years' time, 10,000 years' time, next week, before the end of the sermon. Who knows? And in case you're thinking, hey, before the end of the sermon, that's, that's attractive. If that is the case, all right, can I say, no, if it happens before I finish, when we're in heaven, I'm finishing this sermon and there's no time limit. So be careful what you wish for. We don't know. But the day, so we encourage one another, let's live faithfully for the day is coming. But I want to suggest there may be small days as well. That's the big day of judgment. And people are anxious about that or hopeful about that. It's a bit uncertain. But there's all sorts of other days that people have, particularly days of uncertainty, days where what's going to happen? And we've had so many of those days over the last couple of years, haven't we? Let's encourage one another. When there's another day and things change with the pandemic and we think, what now? The day when the gas and the electricity bill comes in and the prices have gone through the roof and we think, how are we going to pay it this month? The day when the climate crisis starts to impact in a new way and we're thinking the day is coming and I'm really anxious about what that means. The day when something else is happening, when redundancy looms, the day when an operation is coming, the day that's coming that we might hope for but also be anxious about, let's encourage one another. Let's build one another up for the days that are coming, the good days and the days that are, cause anxiety. So don't give up meeting, encourage one another, even when days that we're not sure about, perhaps days that we're excited about, are coming. And finally, uh, just want to end, last week we sung uh, a new commandment, didn't we, that song, um, Pete Sweeney uh, sung for us. Now I have to say, I don't think Pete's here today, is it? but I, that was a song that, as a child and a teenager, it was a big hit in the late 70s. Those of you who were in church in the late 70s, early 80s, um, I'm sure, I mean, you probably sang that to death. Um, and uh, it was a bit of a hit and it was one of those songs that we sang so much that it then became a um, please don't make us sing that one again and I haven't sung it for about 30 years um, and actually last week it was great because not only did Pete do a kind of funky little rhythm to it with something like oh it is a song with a tune rather than a dirge that it becomes so hey thanks Pete you've, really, you've kind of reclaimed it as a song that's worth singing um, but when we sung it last week and I was thinking oh no I can't believe it hey I'd never noticed one thing, because I'm a bit slow, having sung it a million times. I'd never really noticed what the word new meant. Because I thought, isn't it interesting that we've got commandments in the Bible to love one another, love your neighbour, it's really famous. To love the foreigner, to love the outsider, to love your neighbour, to love your enemy, it's all there. There's lots of those commandments. And yet Jesus says, a new commandment to love one another. Isn't it interesting why he thought there had to be a new one to tell his disciples to love one another? You think he'd go, you know, it's all already there. 
I wonder if he could see that actually there would be tensions within the family as we grow closer to each other. Because you know what it's like, don't you? I remember someone saying to me once, you know, why is it that people have, you know, can niggle each other, uh, kind of who know each other really well? And there is that sense, isn't there, that the closer we are to people, we, we just know the little button to press, don't we? And those of you who've got children, I'm sure you'll know those days when you think, ah, stop winding each other up, because you just know that little button to press that you don't with people you're further away from. So perhaps Jesus knew he needed a new commandment to love one another. Isn't it interesting that he thought, and it's a commandment, it's not a suggestion, it's a commandment. Something to be taken really seriously. And I think that's really important for us as a church, this community that Jesus left, this space where we encourage one another and spur one another on, we also become a place where we love one another. As I have loved you, that verse goes on to say, that sacrificial, giving, unconditional love. And that's a big challenge, isn't it? That's a big thing. But I think that, well, it is. It's a command to us to think, how do we love one another? And I've got a real thing about, if you're going to really love someone, you do have to meet them. You have to spend time with them. I'm often saying that to people when they say, oh, no, I do love Hindus or Buddhists or whatever. I say, well, how many do you meet? Well, not very many, but I do love them. Well, okay, that's a kind of respect and a niceness. But real love, where you really, you walk the good days and the bad days, where it's unconditional, where you really are concerned, that comes at its deepest when we meet. And the end of that verse, the end of that song, says, by this shall all people know that you're my disciples. It becomes a point of witness that as we are a community, and in all our differences of age and nationality and ethnicity and political beliefs and all sorts of other beliefs and ideas, all the diversity that's in this room here, we can love one another deeply. That is an incredible witness. And I would want to suggest that uh, not often has our country, I would suggest, needed that witness more than it needs it now. A community that says, in our differences, we don't cancel each other or insult each other or whatever. We love one another. We negotiate this stuff together. We grow together because we love one another. I think that is a tremendous witness to our country. And Jesus knew that would be a witness because he knew that was different to what else happened elsewhere. And that's why that commandment, this coming together, is so important. It becomes a witness So this coming together is not just about coming to church on Sunday and us having a nice time here. It spills out, it leaks out into the rest of life. So if we finish with this, uh, just this reminder. Why church? A community of disciples, what Jesus left. To meet with God in different, deeper, newer ways. To teach, inspire and share our faith with the future generations to spur one another on in good deeds and love, to encourage one another when the good days and the difficult days are approaching, but to encourage and build one another up and to love one another so deeply that it's a powerful witness to the whole world. Amen.